So, come on, help me out. It's, I'm glad you're here. How many are glad to be here this morning? Amen. Glad to be in God's house. How many feel the presence of the Lord? How many know he's here to touch you this morning? To do a work in your life, amen, to challenge you this morning. It's so good to be here on this uh, Labor Day weekend, amen, and we're so glad that you chose to come to church and do your Labor Day stuff later, between services or tomorrow, amen. We don't take a Labor Day weekend from God. We stay, we stay in love with him all the time. He's a priority, amen. Well, thank you for coming, and our kids are in good hands this morning. If we have a nursery, for those reasons right there, amen. And they'll calm down. Don't worry if that's your kid. They'll calm down. It was right on cue. Thank you. They're the best nursery workers in the world. Amen. They'll take the hardest, toughest kids and turn them into soft, sweet little babies. But when we give them back to you, you got to, you know, then you got to deal with that again. Amen. We're, we're so blessed this morning to have visitors uh, also to preach this morning. In one month from tomorrow, we're going to have conference in October in, in our home church in Colorado Springs. And we're so blessed to be part of a fellowship that's worldwide. If you're visiting this morning and you don't know about us, we're a worldwide fellowship of churches. And we work together and we have churches all over the world. And so next month we'll be coming together from all the countries in the world, pastors and their churches, to Colorado Springs, which is our home church. And uh, we're going to have a week of awesome words from those different pastors and fellowship and time together. So I know many of you are already planning on going, and if you haven't planned that yet or don't know about it, see somebody, see a leader, ask them, what, what, what is it, how can I go, what do we need to know? So we really want to take a good group, amen? We've been taking good groups every year. How many have been to conference and been blessed by it this morning, amen? How many new people we got going that have never been? Let me see your hands, amen? I love when rookies go, amen? I love when new people go, go check it out. So this morning, we're so blessed to have... Um, uh, our head pastor, Pastor Paul, with us from the home church. Amen. He's going to come bring a word in just a moment. Gave an awesome leadership uh, meeting last night. It was a great time. Gave us so many nuggets that we got to digest them for about a month. Amen. It was a lot of good stuff. And uh, I really admire and appreciate Pastor Paul and appreciate his friendship. Um, he has, and with his wife, Emily, who's probably running around just helping and serving. Amen. She's a blessing. Um, they started a church many, many years ago in Greeley, Colorado, and planted that church there. And then uh, back about 10 years or so ago, they went to Africa, took their two kids and went to Nairobi, Kenya, and started a, a church there. And, and it was an amazing, amazing church that today, is it 10? Am I right? 10 years about? About 10 years later, there's nine churches in Nairobi, Kenya, and in the Kenya area, because of that church that they started, amen? And we have Kenyans here in our church, several Kenyans from, our, from this church that come here, and we have several different places in Africa represented. So I know he's going to feel real comfortable this morning preaching here. And um, I know it's been a while since he's been here, but he's going to preach this morning, and he's going to preach tonight. He has a lot, lots and lots of experience um, doing all kinds of different things, and uh, he's, he's leading us this morning, and we're so thankful to have our leader here with us this morning. Let's give Pastor Paul a good Texas welcome this morning as he comes to bring us the word. Amen? Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. You know, we have uh, quite a few Kenyans now uh, in our church. 
not just Kenyans, but uh, those are some from Ghana and Uganda and different places across Africa. And uh, I was in, in our church in Colorado Springs after we came back from Nairobi. And I had a lady that uh, came up to me at the end of the, of the service. And she says, Pastor, do you remember me? And I, I, I looked at her. Of course, I remembered her. I married her brother and his wife and uh, had met I had met her up country when we were there pastoring in Nairobi and we'd gone for some marriage negotiations and I had met her and somehow she had married a a man who uh, was in the military and he he was a Kenyan man in the in the US military got stationed in Colorado Springs and here she shows up at our church and it blew me away I thought man this is a small world God can move. God moves there in Nairobi, and now He's using us to minister to Kenyans in Colorado Springs, and so we praise God for that. Uh, I just want to give you a quick update. Those many of you have invested in the land in Nairobi. How many you contributed? You made a faith promise, or you invested somehow in that land? And I want to say how much I appreciate that because. We also invested in many of our churches and our fellowship supported the, the uh, efforts to raise money to buy a piece of property. You know, that seems like, for us, it seemed like an, an incredible challenge. I know for you, too, it's a lot of money. 250000 is a lot of money. We already had some money. We had raised about 80000 in the very beginning. We'd set that aside. But we didn't know where the rest was going to come from. And so in January of this year, when we went to Nairobi with a, with a team of people from our church, we had an idea. Let's bring some Maasai blankets back. And you had them here. And every person, every one of those blankets represented $1,000. And we put them in our church. You put them in your church. And people responded, and I know, I know at this point, there, there are still people that have not yet fulfilled their faith promise in our fellowship, in our church. I know that there are several. But to this date, the amount of money that has come in as a result of that uh, challenge and those faith promises is $358,000 that has come in. 358000 Our goal was 350,000 because we know that the land itself was going to we knew we were going to be in the area of around 250,000 for a half an acre does that sound how many think that's a lot of money for a half an acre of land that's a lot of money you know because here you know in Texas there's a lot of land if you if you go out from from this area you can find an acre of land and it's cheap you can just go buy an acre but they're not making more land in Kenya. And, it, and it's growing. The population is growing. The city is growing. The economy is growing. We have embassies from all over the world there. Uh, NGOs and different kinds of uh, nonprofit organizations are there. So land is a, is, is a premium. They're building high-rises everywhere. When, the last time I went there, I couldn't believe it. And I don't know if some of the Kenyan brothers and sisters have been there recently, but I couldn't believe how many high-rise apartments are there and I'm not talking you know uh, cheap apartments I'm talking apartments that that cost two hundred thousand three hundred thousand dollars for an apartment amazing amazing buildings and so 
Pastor went there. Pastor Jones has gone there. He's there now. He comes back this week. They were looking at a piece of land that's not far from where the church is right now. It's walking distance. It's a place where we can keep the, the church, the fruit that we have there already. And uh, it's a half an acre. And the man was asking $300,000. And he was, he was set on that price. He was a Kikuyu man. He owns, uh, I, I don't know, he owns some other properties. But he has had this piece of land. And so pastor goes and he meets with them. And he's sitting down there talking. And, and they're not getting past this number of 300000 for a half an acre. And so pastor finally says, why don't we ask the Holy Ghost? what the Holy Ghost says and the man being a Christian said okay let's ask the Holy Ghost so they prayed right there at the table they were sitting at Java house and it's a coffee shop there and they they began to pray and when pastor got done praying he, he lifted his head and he said the Holy Ghost said 265,000 and the man said okay if that's what the Holy Ghost says that's good and so 265 was the number. And the reason that's a good number, let me tell you why. The, the property already has a stone fence, a stone wall all the way around and a gate. And a gate. Plus, it has the, the septic already run to the property, which is a big deal. The uh, electricity is right there. All of the things that we need are right there. So we're, we're in a good position for the church to move, and we are sending a tent. We, we already have the big tent. You've seen the pictures there. Uh, it's the, on the wall there. But we are sending another tent from, from the church in Colorado Springs because the property is a little bit too narrow for that tent. So we're sending a separate tent. They're going to have that for the time being. And then they're going to eventually they'll put a foundation and we'll put a piece of property there. We'll put our building and we'll get there. But we're that that money, the three hundred and fifty eight thousand gives us a, a good amount of money to work with to get the building going. Amen. So I want to just say thank you to all of you and to Pastor Blake and Carla and to the, the body that's right here for your uh, support, for your prayers for Pastor Safari and Susan in Nairobi and for all of those churches they really do uh, appreciate and need your prayers so if you go to conference you'll get to see Pastor Safari and Susan uh, hopefully she'll be able to make it they just had a, a baby his name is Israel he's just a little guy and uh, hopefully he'll have his passport he'll be coming too amen praise God if you have your Bibles turn with me in your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 1 Corinthians chapter 13 I was reading recently of a man by the name of Tim LaHaye how many have ever heard of this guy Tim LaHaye he wrote many books and uh the Left Behind series was part of one of the one of the series that he wrote. He wrote a book years ago called The Act of Marriage, and it was a book that we gave to to many couples that were interested in getting married. We would give this book to them. And uh, Tim LaHaye recently passed away, and one of the things that I read uh, about Tim LaHaye was that he had been married for sixty nine years. Sixty nine. Not six months, not nine months, 69 years. 
Brian's been married for a whole year. A whole year. You got 68 to go. I don't know. Oh, there he is right there. 68 to go to get there. How I many know 69 years is a long time to be married? And, you know, it does, it gives me hope to know that it's possible for two people to live together, to love each other, to share an, a lifetime together, that there can be fulfillment in that relationship. That this is part of the design of, of God uh, for, for a man and a woman that they would be able to exist together, to work together, to share life together, to be able to, to raise children and to have a future together. That that's the, the plan and the design of God. The devil is doing everything he can to undermine and to break up the home to break up marriages. And I want to preach and minister just for a few moments on marriage because I know we've got quite a few couples here. And if you're not married, this is still something you need to listen to because you might one day be married. Or you might be able to help somebody who is dealing and struggling in their own home and their own marriage because there, there is a biblical side to the things that people are dealing with. There's a spiritual side. Yes, there is a, a natural side, and we have counselors. Thank God for people that they counsel, and they have some, you know, some natural wisdom. But there's a spiritual wisdom. There is something that only God can bring to a home. There is a, a, a supernatural presence that when God lays his hand on a family or lays his hand on a, on a, on a husband or a wife, it, he can supernaturally transform that relationship in ways that, that counselors can do. Counselors might be able to give the tools, might be able to give you some tools. They can give you some tips. But only God can reach down inside of a person and begin to change that person's heart. And we need, a, we need a heart transplant. When we came out of the world and we and we were living in the world, living the way the world lives, we did things the way the world does. We handled problems the way the world handles them. Right? How many don't raise your hand, but how many have ever, you know, put a hole in a wall? or put a hole in a door, or slammed a few doors, or left and didn't say where you were going and, and, and didn't plan on coming back for a while. I mean, that's the way the world deals with problems. Don't raise your hand, all right? But maybe you've said a few choice words in the heat of the moment. You've said some things. You've let some things come out of your mouth. And as soon as those words went out, you could not get them back. You can try and grab them, but they're already out there. And some folks, you might have even had to put a smile on your face today just to come into church. We used to, Emily and I, even when we were pastoring, would get into arguments on the way to church. We'd fight all the way to church, and as soon as we walk in, had to put a happy face on. We'd have arguments, you know. It's just sometimes it goes with the turf. Every marriage has areas that, need to be addressed or need to be worked on. There are no perfect marriages. There are no perfect, you know, you might look at him and think, he, think he's, you know, he walks on water and he's perfect, but he's not perfect, right? She's not completely perfect. She, there are areas each of us have to deal with and work on in our lives, and thank God that the Word of God speaks to us about the home and about marriage, how to be a good husband, how to find the right husband or the right wife. 
what to do in, a, in the event of a crisis. And so I want to look at this this morning on romance and marriage. And, and I pray that, that God would just give us what we need to have to, in order to, uh, to grow spiritually when it comes to marriage. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Verse 4 it says, Charity suffers long, or love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Charity vaunteth not itself, or does not promote itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believe all th believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Charity never fails, or in your translation it might say love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish, vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. We're, gonna, we're just going to skip over the rest of that down there. But specifically, love never fails. Love never fails. You know, that's, sometimes it's difficult to, to read some of these things because when you... When you uh, do things and you come at, come at marriage in a carnal way, all you know is conflict. All you know is, is the, the trials of marriage, the, the, the struggle of marriage, but it ought not to be like that. God's plan is that there be peace in the home, that there be strength in that union, that, that, that the two of you, that that couple would be an indomitable force against the devil. There would be a strength there. That's the plan and purposes of God. That you would be an example, that your home would be a testimony of God and, and a picture of salvation. The love of God, that God can reach down and do a miracle and bring two together and do something beyond their, their understanding. Chuck Swindoll, who wrote uh, quite a few books and was a, um, an, uh, a pastor and an excellent author, he tells of a sign in a Hollywood jewelry store that hung for several months and that sign said we rent wedding rings they rent wedding rings you know we need to do more than just have a rented wedding ring don't you know sometimes folks have they're they're always throwing that that word divorce around things get a little bit tough they throw out the word divorce it's just part of their vocabulary it's like they've always got one foot out the door, you know. You, you say one wrong thing, well, I'm going to leave. I'm out of here. I'm not putting up with this anymore. But, you know, the plan of God is that a marriage, that that union would be forever. It's a permanent decision. When we make our vows, this is the value of, of that marriage ceremony and that commitment is that we make vows to each other. Do you promise to love her, to honor her? Do you promise to cherish that relationship? And we say these words, it's like a, 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 a contract for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. It's a contract. It's not something that is 
optional. You know, sometimes people, when they're, we've, we've got them in our church, they don't want to get married. They want to just have all of the benefits of, of marriage. They want to be able to live together and just, you know, cohabitate, and um, or we call it shacking up, you know. They want to be able to have all of those things. And they say, well, what's the big deal? It's just a piece of paper. Well, if it's just a piece of paper, why not make that commitment and, and, and make it a, a contract or an agreement and, and let it be before the Lord? It's more than just a piece of paper. It's before God. We have people, they want to get married, and, it's, and they want to get married in the church. They don't want sometimes to do, you know, sometimes we encourage them, go do a park wedding, go do a, find a, a gazebo somewhere and get married. Because in our experience, and I'm just going to take a little detour here for just a moment, every wedding wants to be bigger than the last one. This is what we've, just what we've seen in the last 38 years of, of our church there. They had four bridesmaids, I want five. She had five bridesmaids, I want six. They lit candles, we want to do sand, and we want to do this, and we want to do that, and everything got bigger and bigger and bigger. How did I get off on that? Oh, they want to get married in the church. Why do people want to get married in the church? Why is it such an important thing? Because that's where the blessing of God is. It's like God is watching over that relationship and that marriage ceremony. It's more, hey, thank God. I've sent them before and said, just go get married by the justice of the peace. If you can't find one, I'll help you find one. All right? But... There is something to, to standing in front of a pastor and in front of witnesses, in front of people that you invite and you say, I want you to bear witness to the commitment that we're about to make. And it's before God. And we want God to be a part of this relationship. And God, we want God to honor this relationship. Can you say amen? You know, isn't that what we want is we want peace in our home? We want peace in our lives. We don't. Nobody wants to go back to a house where there's where there's constant conflict and and stress and turmoil. But there's a way that we can have the fullness of God and the and the blessing of God in that home. It's it, it's not in 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 uh, God changing in 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 us trying to change that other person, but God working on us. God has to change us. You can never change the other person. People have tried. Many people have tried. They think once we get married, then I'm going to straighten him out or I'm going to straighten her out and everything's going to be all right. Sometimes people go into marriage and they, they, their, their vision is blurred. They're, they're just, their reality is, is, out of, is out of whack, you know. And they think, well, once we get married, everything's just going to work out and everything's going to be, we're going to fix all of those things. It doesn't work like that. And you cannot, you can never fix the other person. Only God can fix that other person. You need to let God work on your own heart. Sometimes people listen to a sermon like this and they think, well, I sure hope he's getting it. Or I hope she's, I hope she's understanding what, what pastor's saying when really the Lord is speaking to you. He's talking to you that there are some things that need to change. God is the one who designed marriage. And the only way to find and achieve peace is found in the framework of the Word of God and how He designed it. 
we say by the authority vested in me by the state of Texas, the state of Colorado, or whatever, wherever we happen to be, I now pronounce you, we say husband and wife, and then we say these words, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. What God has brought together, let nobody come in between. That It is, it is uh, the plan of God. I know that they're just words, but they are, uh, they are powerful. But even those words do not have the power to hold that marriage together. It's a decision of the will. We have to say, you know what, we're going to make this work. We're going to work on this. We're not going to let we're not going to let the devil come in and divide us and we're going to see the problem for what it is. You are not my enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. I know sometimes we think he, that's the devil in the flesh right there. And sometimes we might be the devil in the flesh. But that your husband or your wife is not your enemy. Your enemy is the devil. He is, he is a strategist. He looks to bring division, to divide and conquer, to pit the, 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 the children against the parents and the parents against the children and the husband against the wife and looking to, to, to undermine everything that God sees, that God, that God puts in place. We have sometimes I, I look at I, I, I see these stats of, of divorces and different things that are that are taking place. And, you know, if there are if there are less divorces, it, I would only have to say it's because there are less marriages. More people are just living together. But for sure, divorce is a problem. And it's something that ought not to be as prevalent as it is, especially in the church. I found this illustration, and you might, you might find it humorous. It says, listen carefully. It says, assuming that sexual expression is irresistible, like a flood, many couples find themselves standing before a minister to be married. Minister, do you take this woman with all of her immaturity, self-centeredness, nagging, tears, and tension to be your wife forever? The dumb ox temporarily hypnotized by the prospect of being allowed to sleep with her every night, mumbles, I do. Then the preacher asks the starry-eyed bride, do you take this man with all of his lusts, moods, indifference, immaturity, and lack of discipline to be your husband forever? She thinks forever means all of next week because she's never experienced one month of tedious responsibility or denial of her wishes so she chirps i do in the thought that she has now become a woman then the then the patient minister parrots by the authority committed unto me as a minister of christ i pronounce you man and wife and as he does he prays a silent prayer for forgiveness for he knows that he lies they are not now husband and wife and he knows that few of them ever will be they are now legally permitted to breed, fuss, bully, spend each other's money, and be held responsible for each other's bills. It is now legal for them to destroy each other so long as they don't do it with a gun or a club. And the minister goes home wondering if there isn't a more honest way to make a living. You know, I know that's a, a harsh extreme, but there are 
there are some realities there, and we have to take a good look at marriage. You know, marriage is a heavy responsibility. It's a big responsibility. It's a job. And people think, well, when we get married, all our problems will be over. I've, I've sat and talked with couples. I feel like I'm whatever I say is going in one ear and out the other. They're not hearing anything that I'm saying. All they can think about is that they're in love, and they're never going to have a problem. They're never going to deal with the kinds of re realities that I'm talking to them about. But reality is about to slap them in the face. Because the honeymoon, praise God for honeymoons, but how many know the honeymoon doesn't always last forever? Eventually you come to reality, right? You, you learn to work through some things, and, and, and uh, you, you deal with some things. But I want to give you just a few important truths regarding marriage. And these are some, some of them, some are shorter than others, and, 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 and we'll just kind of move through these. But, and I've got some other thoughts I want to share with you. But, you know, marriage, first of all, is between a man and a woman. That's the way God designed it. Between one man and one woman. And, you know, the, we've, we've legitimized the, the union of, of two people, whether it's, uh, you know, two men or two women. We've done that in this country. But we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. That does not line up with the Word of God. And the tendency is, as we begin to accept these things and we begin to say, well, it, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of law now. It's a matter of culture. This just, these are just the days we live in. And instead of holding to a higher standard, we begin to accept the things that the world has, has accepted. And, and it's even gone into the church. But I want you to know that it is still God's plan and God's design that marriage is between one man and one woman. I don't care what the world says. I don't care how it's dressed up. I don't care how many, how, what, what judge legitimizes it. It's illegitimate in the eyes of God. That's the, that's the bottom line is it is to be between a man and a woman. The second thing is that every marriage begins with high expectations. And rightly so. We want to have happily ever after as our story. We want that. But we need to recognize that the devil will do everything he can to, to stop the flow of heaven in the home. He's not simply after that marriage. He's not only after that husband or that wife. He's after those children. He's after those grandchildren. He wants to completely destroy not just the, the, the marriage home, but he, that marriage, but he wants to destroy the finances. He wants to destroy your health in every way that he can. He looks to do that, and we have to look to God to restore what the devil has tried to steal. We have to look to God. God, restore this, this home. Lord, restore this relationship. I know there's conflict. I know it's difficult. I know that there, there are things, that there are pressures that, that sometimes seem like, are we ever going to get beyond these problems? Money problems are one of those things that, we, that, that uh, uh, bring incredible tension in a home. It always, whenever, whenever we would do our bills, I, rem, I can remember that when, we get to that when we got to that time of the month when it was time to sit down and do a budget, we always fought over money. It was just, it, what are you going to do? I mean, we begin to, we were, we're, with the stress and, the, and the, the pressures of those things. But listen, our hope is not in this present economy. We don't have, we don't put all of our trust in, in I know we need money to live and we live by faith. I do too. 
But I'm not going to let the, the pressures of this life come between that relationship. We need each other. I know I need her. She needs me. And together, if we'll just put our hearts together and we'll stand together, we can take on the world. We can take on those problems. And so can you. You can make it. Look at, look, if you're married, look at your husband or your wife and tell them we can make it. Now, I can't hear anybody here. Come on. Look at them and say, I, we can make it. Amen. You can make it, and that's a fact. But, you know, no one thinks that marriage is going to be anything less than perfect. No one goes into it anticipating the struggle. You know, people don't have a problem falling in love. They have a problem staying in love. Falling in love is not the problem, or did they fall in lust? I, I'm not sure which one it was. What do you do to keep a marriage going? You know, to, do the, to, to keep a marriage alive, you do the thing. The thing you did to get her is the thing you do to keep her. Unless you met at this club before it became a church. <laughs> like I think Pastor Dylan and Ashley might have. But the thing you did to get her is the thing you do to keep her. That relationship needs romance. That relationship needs communication. That relationship needs agreement. And agreement on important issues like how we're going to spend our money and how we're going to discipline our children. Those are important things to have agreement on. She can't be the outspending everything and he's busting his butt two or three jobs trying to, you know, trying to, to keep the, the bills paid. There has to be agreement. We're going somewhere in this. We're going to raise our kids together. They're going to be healthy. They're going to be, uh, 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 they're going to, we're going to raise them in a godly fashion. There's agreement there. And the third thing is there's no such thing as a maintenance-free marriage. All marriages that are successful need to be maintained. You know, if you think a marriage is, a good marriage is automatic, you need to think again. Sometimes people make it look easy, don't they? You ever look at somebody, they've got a, a good home, and you think, man, they, they sure have a good marriage. They, they make it look like everything is just perfect. They don't have any problems. That's not the case at all. But, you know, we learn, we learn some things in marriage. Those that have been married for a little, a little while learn how to work together. They learn how not to push the other person's buttons. I mean, there's some things that you can say, and if you say those things, immediately it's going gonna, it's gonna to create tension in the home. I've done that before. I've, I'm not going to, well, maybe I'll just say one. That's just, you, you act just like your mother. Oh, that's not a good one to say, is it? There are some things that you can say that will create conflict, but, you know, good marriages happen because two people believe in the marriage, they believe it's worth fighting for, and they make the effort to work for it. They're willing to sacrifice to make it work. They're willing to sacrifice. They sacrifice their time. They sacrifice sometimes their own desires. They don't. They realize hey, I'm not. I'm not single anymore. You know that's a that's a good lesson to learn when you first get married. Is remember now you're married. You're not single. Say, so, well, I used to get to go out with all my friends. Well, you're not single anymore. 
You can't just go out and not say when you're going to be coming home, you know, and just show up whenever you feel like it and expect there to be peace in that home. You can't act single. And you can't act like a kid anymore. I just, I'm just going to throw that in for free. If you want to have a good marriage, begin to prioritize your time. You can't have, you know, a lot of me time and a little us time. You can't spend all your time in, with the Xbox. Hello. Don't spend all your time playing video games. You're married now. You're grown now. You have responsibilities now. You have children. You have a wife. You have uh, responsibilities there. But if you don't work on it, or if, if uh, we're not careful to work on it, we're going we're gonna to make a terrible mistake in our marriages. Let me give you a few other things, and then we're going to close in prayer. For those that are not yet married, let me just tell you, be selective in who you marry. Be selective. Say, well, my clock is ticking. You know, time is, time is getting away from me here. I better hurry up. You know, you might make a mistake in, in, in rushing things and, and miss what God has for your life. You say, well, I've just, just got to get married. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he doesn't share the same uh, faith or the same desires in life. He's breathing. He's available. He's got a job. Hey, th those are all good things. But listen, if, if, if two people are not yoked together equally, the Word of God says it's not going to work. I've, I've met quite a few people who said, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, I just find somebody on the job. Then I'm going to bring them to church. They're going to get saved. They're going to live for God. And, and everything's going to work out just all right. And then later on, they come back and they're saying, Pastor, I should have listened. I, 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 I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have got ahead of God in, in those things. How do you want to spend the rest of your life? What do you do? Well, I'll tell you. I'll give you just a few things. Date only spirit-filled believers, people that, are, that love the Lord. That's, that's the first thing. Say, well, there's, there, there's nobody for me. Of course there is. God has someone for you. God knows how to meet that need. God knows how to bring the right person at the right time. Number two, remain sexually pure. Number three, Evaluate their character. Rarely do I have somebody come and say, Pastor, what do you think about this person? It does happen, though. It does happen. I do have young men come and say, Pastor, what do you think about this girl? Or she'll come and say, Pastor, what do you think about this guy? Is this person, can, can this work? You think this person has, a, ha, has their head on straight? And then seek godly counsel from your parents or your pastor. You're not going to meet the right person in a singles bar. It's, it's just not going to work. Don't settle for less. The second thing is enter that marriage with a commitment to stay married. We're going to make it. We're going to stay. We're going to stick it out. We're going to stay married. We're going we're gonna to leave our parents, leave our father and mother, and we're going to cling to each other. Unfortunately, I was doing one wedding, and I got to that part, and I was, I was doing the ceremony, and I... I don't know what happened to me, but I said the man will leave his wife and cling to his mother and father. That was terrible. 
And everybody caught it and laughed. And I said, wait a minute. I mean, leave his mother and father and cling to his wife. The problem was he did leave his wife and went back and left and stayed with his mom and dad. That's terrible. But we enter marriage with a commitment to stay married. Now, every time I get to that part, I consciously think, do not say that. Don't say that. Whatever you do. But we have to realize divorce is not an option. Are there areas where divorce is unavoidable? Yes, there are those areas. But I'm not here to tell you how to get out of it. I'm here to tell you how to stick with it. I'm here to tell you how you can make it work. Nothing tests our true character and our ability to live up to commitments like marriage. It will test your character. It will test your resolve because there will always be an area. The devil will always try and break up what God has brought together. The harmony that is in that home. The unity that could be there. The peace. Listen, when, when there is peace in the, in the house and there's, there's the glory of God is in that house, it's, it's wonderful. It's glorious. And it can be like that. You see, can we ever, can we ever have that kind of a, of a home or a marriage? Yes, you can have that. But God has to get a hold of you. God has to touch you. He has to work on you because you're the one that can control your words. And people don't realize that how they behave and, the, and they, how they react has an, an effect and an impact on their partner, on their spouse. How we react to something, the kinds of things that we say. Maybe we ought to learn to put a filter on our tongue. Instead of saying the first thing that comes to mind, instead of thinking uh, and, and saying things that we're going to regret and we can't get back and then we've got to, and then we've lost something, we've lost ground, begin to say things that are righteous. Begin to speak life into that marriage. You know, your words can speak life into that home. And most importantly, your prayers. Your prayers. You say, well, what if I have a husband that's not born again or a wife that's not born again? First Corinthians talks about that. I believe it's in First Corinthians 7 or 9 where it talks about the praying, the praying husband sanctifies or the praying wife sanctifies the husband. That she can bring the presence of the Lord in. And even if he doesn't know the Lord, that she can, she can respond to things instead of reacting in a negative way and bringing, and bringing uh, an oppressive spirit in, she brings the light of the gospel in that place. She loves him. She, in, spite of, in spite of his failures, say, well, you don't know the kind of man I married. You don't know the kind of marriage that I have. Listen, God can do anything. God is a God of the impossible. I've seen him redeem homes that you would have thought they're irreparable, that there's no hope there, that God got a hold of that situation and created an atmosphere of love in that house. But it was because he was invited into that house. He was invited there. God is not going to dwell in a place where our flesh reigns, where our flesh is ruling in that situation. We, 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 and we just bring the flesh into every conflict, and it's, it's nothing but, but uh, all hell breaking loose. And every fight is a knockdown, drag-out fight, and it's just a, it's just a, 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 a hateful type of atmosphere. God, that's not where the presence of God lives. The presence of God works in a place where we, we, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. 
third thing is to fulfill your responsibility as a husband and as a wife. You know, God makes the husband, the husband's different from the wife. They don't, they don't do everything the same. They share different responsibilities, different roles. They have different, they have different, uh, God has designed them in different ways. And, you know, uh, sometimes they're, they're likely, you know, sometimes she confuses her role and he confuses his role. But I, I still believe that, that God has designed men to fulfill their responsibilities in the home. You know, it's the man's responsibility in the house to be the leader in the house. All right? That's, that's God's design is that the husband would lead in a spiritual fashion. That he would be the spiritual head over that house. And that she doesn't undermine his role in that, but she encourages it. She lifts him up. She prays for him. It's the way God designed it. I don't know if, Pastor Blake, if you have that CD called Only Men. I'm going to get it for you. I'll get it for you before we, before we head back. I'll give you how to get it. But it's, it's for men. And, you know, it talks about the head and the man being the head of the house. Not being the dictator. He's not called to be, you know, a little Hitler in the house and everybody's going to line up and do everything that he says. That's not how God designed it. But to lead in love just as Christ is the head of the church. Dr. Richard Halverson, who was the chaplain of the U.S. Senate at one time, wrote, after 69 years of life and 49 years of marriage, he wrote these words. He says, It is my deep conviction that 100% of the responsibility for the sustenance of the marriage belongs to the husband. 100% of responsibility lies on the, and rests on the shoulders of the husband. God made that husband to lead. To initiate it. Not for her to say, come on, honey, we need to go to church. Come on, honey, we need to read our Bibles. Come on, honey, we need to, we need to pray. But for him to lead by example and to take the initiative. And if the man will lead, I've seen this over and over again. If the man will lead, the wife will follow. We, we are in the business of raising up good, healthy marriages and healthy men who will lead by example, who, who stand. And, and I believe that that's what a woman wants in, in a marriage is a husband that is righteous, that leads by example, that loves God with all of his heart. That's, where, that's how peace comes in a home. This is what every woman longs for, is a man that will provide her with a Christ-like leadership and Christ-like love. And then she's, and then she's to also respect him. And to, and to speak words of encouragement. You know, if you're always nagging and criticizing, you're going to drive that man into an, an emotional shell. If you want him to flourish, build him up. Encourage him. Speak positive. Speak life into his life. So just be encouraging. And, and don't be a, a nagging wife. Amen? It's like The Word of God calls it like a dripping faucet. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go any more into that. I want you to still love me. And then finally, I want to close on this note, is that we need to learn to communicate. I don't think you'll ever get to the place in your marriage where you don't have to continue working on communication. You have to work on it. 
I can I can be fine not talking and I'll drive we'll go miles and miles and miles driving and I don't have to say a word I'm okay with that but she's not always okay with that and she wants to communicate and for every 10,000 words that she's got he's got a thousand if, if even that this it's the way God designed the way God built that that couple but he has to learn to communicate but communication is not just in our words it's also in our actions and you can say a lot without saying anything can't you you can say a lot with your actions but you know it's important that we communicate and one of the number one killers of marriages is poor communication most of the time I have to say and I hate to say that it's the man who fails on this side I want to read this illustration to you studies on preschoolers show that almost 100% of the sounds made by girls are word related but only 68% of the sounds by boys can be interpreted as words the remaining 32% of sounds made by boys were truck noises airplane noises gun noises and noises from certain bodily functions <laughs> that's just and you know what men are just boys in big bodies right <laughs> the last thing and I know I said communication was the last thing but the last thing really is forgiveness you got to learn to forgive don't hold offenses it's a it's a marriage killer can't forgive can't can't get past something you know she's going to go on on the uh, the silent treatment and give him she's not going to talk for days you say, well, that doesn't happen in ours. It happens in some marriages. And they're going to go to bed, and she's going to hug her side of the bed, and he's going to hug his side of the bed, and they're going to. There's this great divide in their relationship because of this thing called unforgiveness. I mentioned it last night in our leadership meeting here. It is the glory of a man to pass over an offense. And sometimes, you know, you just have to, you just have to say, you know what? I'm not going to let this thing weigh in my life. I'm not going to be bitter towards her. I'm not going to be bitter towards him. Bitterness, someone said, is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It eats you up from the inside. It works. It 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 has. A divisive effect when we can really we can look at it and say God help me to forgive this person I know that I know that they're wrong I know that they they've done some things but God help me to forgive help us to help us to love each other to 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 be brought back together to have peace in our home have have some forgiveness show some mercy if we can't forgive you know it we can't be forgiven that's just the way that it works. So I want to encourage you. You know, if you're whatever your whatever your situation is, whatever things are going on in your home, wherever you're at, you could be married for a year. We've got couples in our church just married now for not even a month. Some are married for fifty years, fifty-five years. Pastor Marie now fifty-one years. That's a blessing. Thank God that he can that there's hope for all of us. You say, "Will we make it to that?" You can make it. You can make it. With God, all things are possible. With God, you'll make it. Amen. Let's bow our heads and our hearts all over this place.
I pray that this is this has been a blessing and has helped some people here. Maybe you're you're just newly married. You know the right place to begin in any in any part of our lives. The right place to begin is your relationship with Jesus Christ. How do we get our marriage back on track? The right place to begin is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're thinking about getting married. The right place to begin is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been married for 30 years. The kids have grown and they're moving out. The right place to begin is your relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the bottom line. When I counsel people and talk with them about their marriages, you know, I can't fix what's going on in their heart. God has to get a hold of them. I can give them advice and bring some guidance, but really our hearts need to be right with the Lord. You can only do so much with natural thinking, with the man, just the carnal man, with reading books and getting advice from outside counselors and different people. You can only do so much with that. God gets a hold of our hearts. Really, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. This morning, while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this place, Every head's bowed. I want to ask how many in this place. You say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus Christ in the way that you're talking about. I don't know him as my Lord and Savior. This is all new to me. But I want to know Jesus. I want to have Jesus in my heart. I want to be forgiven of my sin. How many all across this place would just put your hand up, put it back down, you say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus to come into my life. Remember me in prayer. How many would put it up and put it back down? Quickly, raise it up. I'll pray for you. You'll be included in this prayer. How many? Quickly, raise it up. Today, maybe you're backslidden and you're away from God and you've lost your way. There was a time when you were right with the Lord. There was a time when you enjoyed fellowship with the Lord. But somewhere you, you... there was a departure. You, you slowly drifted in your faith. And this morning, you recognize, you know what? I've, I've got to get my life back where I'm on track. I've got to get back where I'm in right relationship with Him. How many across this place, you say, that's me. I'm coming back to Jesus today. I'm coming back to Him. God bless you, sister. Yes, you can put it down. Yes. I see these hands. How many more? You can put them down. How many more? Quickly join these. You'd raise it up and put it back down. God will meet you in this place today. You can walk out of here with that burden lifted, that your, your heart right, in right standing with God, aligned with Him. How many more quickly would lift it up your hands? You said, that's me, Pastor, include me. I want to pray. Yes. God bless you, sis. Yes. How many more? Praise God. Let's all stand together. We're going to pray for these that have lifted their hands. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come 
and, and we're going to find a place to kneel down at these altars. But I want to just say something. You know, there, it, we really need to get serious about our homes. We need to get serious about our marriages. I, I believe every marriage needs direction. Every marriage is, is a constant work in progress. Nobody's, no marriage is perfect. You might learn to deal with things in a better way, in a different way. Conflict doesn't quite come quite as often. But there are still areas where the Lord want, needs to work on us. So we're going to open up these altars. If you're, if you're here with your spouse, your, your husband or your wife, and you'd like to come, we're going to open up these altars. But let's, let's make an altar before the Lord. Let's make a fresh commitment. We're going, to make it, we're going to make this work, and we're going to see God do what He wants to do in our homes. Amen? And for these that lifted their hands for salvation or to rededicate their hearts, I want to encourage you to come and find a place and kneel down here and just talk to the Lord. Amen? Can we do that? Let's do that. Amen. Let's sing, and, and as we're singing, you come. These altars are open.